I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Iron Brew Podcasting Conversation Series. Brad Mel, Matt Blanchard on this one. Now, it's a bit of a first for us this episode because in all the years we've been doing this podcast, we've yet to interview a goalkeeper. Well, that changes now. So this man was a staple of the team for many years. He had nearly 300 appearances for us and a clean sheet at Wembley. We'll, we'll chat about it all. But uh, it's Tom Evans. Welcome, Tom. How are you doing? Uh, hello. Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, very good. Thank you. As I say, you're the first goalkeeper we've ever had on the podcast. So what was it that made you want to go into football? But more specifically, did you always want to be a keeper or was it just a position you found yourself in? I've always wanted to be a keeper up until well, up until recently after I played, stopped playing football and I don't want to play in goal at all. Um, <laughs> when I was young, always wanted to go in goal, wanted to throw myself around. Um, and I can I can still remember to this day going to the local... Sunday league team, and they were delighted. There was somebody who wanted to go in goal. You came through the youth setup at Sheffield United, uh, big club, good academy. How did you find that experience? Sheffield United was a very well-run club, and um, it had a, a very good way of progressing. Obviously, through under fourteens, fifteens, sixteens, all the way through to YT or youth training schemes. And I think they tried to give you as much of a chance as as, as they could. So it was it was a good system. And I think um, they they produced over the, over the years quite a quite a number of players, really. So in '96, you joined Crystal Palace, and I think we're interested in, in how did that one come about? Because you know, up to this point in your career, you'd stayed relatively local to where you were born in Doncaster. So it's a big change for you, not just in terms of I guess size of the club, but also geographically as well. Basically, that was um, Dave Bassett was the manager at Sheffield United. So when I was when I was there. Sort of, I say under 14s, 15s, 16s, first year YT, second year YT, and first year pro. He was there all that time. Um, in the last year, he got sacked. So, and uh, he turned up at Crystal Palace. So, um, it was basically down to that. He, he got, he gave me a call and went to, went to see him and speak to him at uh, a first team game at Grimsby Town. Uh, Palace playing Grimsby and uh, had a chat with him, went down at a a few weeks on uh, on trial, if you like, played some reserve games, played well, and got offered a contract. And there were obviously some loan moves as well during your time there. Um, I think one was Harrow, but then uh, there was also a move to Coventry. So obviously a bit of a difference between between Harrow and Coventry, particularly at the time. Obviously Coventry were doing quite well. Um, I suppose what was your time like at Coventry, and and how did that move come about? I don't know exactly how it came about. To be honest, the move to Coventry. Um, they were obviously in the Prem at the time. <clears throat> um, I, I, they, they needed a keeper, so I know why they needed a keeper. Their uh, their second choice keeper, who was Australian, had been called up for international duty, and there was only one keeper there, who was Steve Grzybich. So they needed somebody at the time. I wasn't playing reserve games, and there was there was two keepers in front of me at Palace, so. I must, you know, they must have known somebody who gave them a ring and gave me the opportunity to go there. And it was, um, it was fantastic, to be honest. It was a really good experience. You mentioned there that you went in as a cover keeper at Coventry and Gordon Strachan was there at the time. Did you have much involvement with him or as a, as a cover keeper, were you sort of kept a bit separate? And I was involved with the first team all the, all the time. So um, it was, it was, you know, in there training, reserve games, um, didn't have, didn't, I've got uh, sub goalkeepers. I don't think at that time. I'm trying to think. Maybe you could have a sub, but not necessarily chosen as a sub sub uh, as a goalkeeper. Um, but it, it was excellent, really. It really was excellent. Strachan's obviously, you know, a big character of the game. So having somebody of of that stature there, you know, what what did that do for your development? From what I can remember, and this is going back a long time. Um, he he just knew the game inside out. He played reserve games, so so you could see that he had obviously been. Uh, a very very good player, so you could he knew what he was talking about. He could tell players what to do. He he definitely had that um, let's say a nasty streak if he wanted to and have a go at players. Certainly do that. But I think he could just clearly see that he knew exactly what everybody should be doing. It was whether or not they were capable of doing it. 
And then, obviously, in 97, you signed for Scunthorpe. Um, obviously, a move closer to home. Was that? Did that come into your thinking when the move came up? Those sort of things always do come, come into it, to be quite honest. And um, was, was it the deciding factor? Probably not. But, yeah, you've got, you've got to think about, obviously, where your family are, where you're living, etc. Um, uh, and, and it plays... Especially in the lower leagues, yes, you can travel. But at that point in time, in my in my life, it was a perfect fit, really. I lived Doncaster way on, and you know it was an easy, easy travelling distance to to training, etc. And who was it at the club that you spoke to at the time that sort of brought that move about? Again, I'm not sure how I'm not sure how it came about. To be fair, probably, probably through an agent of some description, um, and I just went uh, for pre-season. And uh, obviously, you know, you'll pre- have the pre-season, do some games, training. It's very similar to getting the move to Palace, I suppose, really. You just go, do your best, see what see what uh, comes from it. And Tim Clark was obviously the current keeper at the time. Um, I'd been for a little while. What was your relationship like with, with Tim? Um, fine. Well, good. Um, I, think, I think keepers tend to, as far as I'm aware, get on pretty well with each other because you're working with them day in, day out. And... I don't think really I've come across a keeper where you might think, "Come on, don't don't really want to be part of what he's doing." It just doesn't seem to work like that. So no, got anything well, got on trained well, and we're obviously competing for the same position. And there is only one position, but you do your best for each other. So when we look at how you got your start in the team, you know Tim Clark had had an injury. I think Chris Hope had even gone in net for one game, and so your your debut is you know against Everton away in the League Cup. Um, it's you know it's it's a huge game to be to be put into and you know there's some big players playing in that game I think I think Gary Speed was playing for them at the time um, yeah what what do you remember that game yeah I, I, rem- I remember it clearly actually and uh, I've still got that game on video I do mean video I just I can't I haven't got a video player to play it um, <laughs> it, it was um, I think it was the second leg of the the, of the league cup game and yeah Tim got um, he he was knocked out wasn't he temporarily I think during the previous game so yeah. I knew I'd be playing, and I can't remember the 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 lead up to it. But I'm pretty sure I was. I'd be fairly nervous because you you know it's a big game, but you've got nothing to lose. Nothing to lose against a big team because I suppose as a club, are you expecting to win? No. Did we did we win? No. We got done five nil as I remember, and uh, but I did I did play well, which was the main thing I suppose. It was one nil, wasn't it, in the first leg, which was not a bad result. Um, considering sort of the level of player they had, but yeah, five nil away from home, um, so not unexpected. But it was probably nice for you to just get a decent performance in, uh, make a few saves, and kind of, although the result wasn't great, um, yeah, to show that you know you you were you were more than capable coming into the side. Yeah, it's uh, I think I mentioned this earlier, isn't it? But it's, it's about being given a chance, and when and when you have a chance, you have to obviously try and take it. And I think with within football, perhaps there's not enough young players who are, who, are, who are given a chance at an early enough age. I'm not saying that for me specifically, but that you get that feeling where there's players who are very good who just don't get given that chance early enough and perhaps that that stunts them for, for quite some time. I'm quite interested in what it's like in terms of, you know, the goalkeeper relationship. Because I think when, you know, when you've got a, a number one keeper that's out injured, I think it's just assumed that when they're fully fit, they'll, you know, just come back in and, and take the place where they were. Uh, whereas I think from a fan's point of view, it does seem like if it's an outfield player, uh, that maybe they've got more of a chance of, you know, retaining their position, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, th- I think that's probably spot on, to be honest. Um, I think with an outfield player, it'd be very unlikely that they'd not played any games at all and then they were brought in for one game they would probably have been in and out of the team covering for other people because you've got 10 other positions haven't you not that you know not that every player can play in all positions but there's more chance that you can be brought on as a sub or if you're a left back you can play right back if you play center midfield you can play you know you can play in different positions with a goalkeeper and thinking back to my my game at Everton I probably knew even if I played well that Tim would come back in to be to be honest. Yeah, and I think during that season it was your first experience of sort of an FA Cup run with the club, and obviously we'll talk about a few more of those in a bit more detail. Um, but I think we'd been struggling for form a little bit at the time, and I think in the end um, we were drawn against Palace in in the cup, and I think Tim played that day. But does that kind of cup run give the squad a little bit of a boost when things aren't quite going uh, your way in the league? I think I think um, it does, but it's not specific down to the 
down to it being a cup run. Obviously, if you can if you can beat higher division uh, clubs, that does help. But I think it's just a, a winning mentality. It's, it's a case of if you can get your confidence up in a cup game, you can probably transfer that into a league game. And um, you know, you, you, you'll you know we we had it at, at, at Scunthorpe. There's times where as a club you couldn't buy a win. And then the pressure comes on and, and it's it's really difficult. So when you play a cup game and you can get a result, that in itself will bring um, hopefully positive results across two league games. You come back into the team against Swansea and Scunthorpe win 1-0. Do you have any particular memories of that one? Yeah, uh, injured. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I do. So I, I dislocated my knee that game. Um so I, I, I remember that one nil, and uh, Alan Cork was the the manager of Swansea. I'm sure he, I'm sure he was, um, and yeah, I remember going up to take a ball just underneath the crossbar. Nothing, nothing particularly difficult, and just felt a massive bang on my left knee, and um, it was yeah dislocated my knee, but played on because we didn't have subs in that uh, at that point or sub sub keepers, and probably shouldn't have done because I was out injured for quite, quite a while thereafter. So. Yeah, first league game out injured, so not not the best one. Just on that, obviously we had you had a couple of um, spells injured during your time at the club. Um, but as a goalkeeper, I'm trying to think of kind of recent keepers we've had that have been injured and, and maybe not come back quite the same keeper. Obviously that one was your knee and it wasn't your arm or, or your hand or anything like that. But does it affect keepers a little bit more than an outfield player? You know, if you if you pick up an injury, you know what? It's difficult for me to say only because. That was probably the only relatively serious injury I had, you know, throughout all the training and all the collisions and all the ridiculous, you know, all the physical contact that you can have in a game. That was as bad as it got for me. So I'm probably not best placed to say it, but I can imagine if you've had a, a serious injury, you might be slightly apprehensive for a period of time. Yeah. And it might be, obviously, if it's, if it's serious enough, it might be, um, it, it curtails your career, obviously. Yeah, well, well, just on that, how worried were you at the time when you dislocated your knee? Because as you say, you just got back into the team and the league. You know, are you are you thinking sort of long term there, or were you sort of fairly confident you'd you'd be all right with it? Probably didn't even think about it. I, I, I don't. I don't think, and it is a long time ago that. Um, I don't think it would have even crossed my mind that it could have been serious. Whilst it was serious enough to obviously be out for a good, a good few months. I didn't think it was that serious and it, it didn't turn out to be that serious. It's just an, an annoyance. And I think most people do get injured to, from time to time and you just have to get on with it, don't you? Yeah. Um, and towards the end of that season, there's obviously a lot of new players that come into the building. Uh, obviously, some through the academy and, and things like that. Uh, obviously, Nathan Stanton, Gareth Sheldon and, and a few others. And they would really go on to feature in um, the success of, of the next season. It, it plays some part in that. Um, did you get the sense then that, that something was building in terms of the players we had in the building and then some of the young lads that were coming through as well? I don't know that I did, to be quite honest. I think you can you always, you always know that uh, managers bringing in people and, you know, if you can bring in, as I said earlier, bring in good young players who you give a chance, it might be that they turn out to be exactly what you need for the for the for that season and the next season. They might turn out to be a player that you can sell. And I suppose as a club in the second division to be quite honest that that's what they're after isn't it bringing in young players who can do a job don't cost that much money in terms of a salary because at the time you know it's a long it's a fair time ago players weren't paid that much and you could probably have young players in there earning very very little and if you have a couple of good ones fantastic and and it turned out with it we did actually have a good crop of very young uh players and who were local as well to the club. So there was quite a few local lads who played for Scunthorpe who did a, an awful lot of good for the for the team. In the previous season, we finished just one point outside the playoffs. So what was it that Law said was the aim for this particular season? I can only imagine it would have been, we need to get, to get promoted. <laughs> Gen genuinely can't remember anything that, that he said, to be fair. And around that time as well, I think it was maybe New Year, you actually um, were made first choice keeper. Um you know, was that something? Was was there a decision made by Laws? Did he kind of say, you know, you're you're now the first choice keeper, or was that just something that kind of progressed? Um, you know, as as the games were going on. I, I remember there was a run of form, or let's say bad form, and then there was a reserve team game that turned into a first team game. So I remember, I remember that game. Everybody 
had to go and I and I played in that. So I, I, I knew at that point in time that basically that was a uh, rehearsal for uh, being put into the first team. So uh, I don't I don't remember who we played, but that, that's what happened. It was a first team game in the reserves, if you like. And um, that was that was it from there on. Yeah, well, as you mentioned there, you know, there was a bit of a mix of form for the rest of the season, a couple of big wins, but, you know, a few defeats there as well. Uh, as as you say, Laws is probably saying, you know, the aim is to finish as high as possible. W- were you confident as a team that you would make the playoffs or was there ever some doubts creeping in? You know what, I, th- I think it really is boring, but I think, I think most of the time players, yes, they do look at the league tables, they do look at where you are in the table, but you do really concentrate more on just winning the next game. And if you win the next one and the one after that and so on, you 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 will progress up the table. So I don't think really when things are going relatively well and you're at the top end of the table, you worry about it. You just try to do your best week in, week out. And we obviously end that season in fourth um, and we've yeah. got Swansea in the playoffs. I think if I remember rightly, they perhaps beat us um, maybe the month before. I think it was maybe in the March. Um, I think they came to our, our place and beat us. Did that have any kind of bearing going into the playoffs? You know, it was obviously going to be a tough game. They'd obviously beaten us um, fairly yeah. recently. So was there any doubts, you know, that, that this could be quite a real tough game in the playoffs? I, I think everybody knew it would be a tough, a tough game, to be quite honest. And uh, actually, that was the game I got dropped, wasn't it? <laughs> so... Um, yeah, I, th- I think Swansea was it was always a tough game, um, if home and especially away. And if you, I don't know if you've travelled to their their old stadium, it was it was a tough place to go to. Yeah, well, you allude to it there. You know, Clark was obviously brought back in for that Swansea game. Uh, it's a big decision from the manager. You know, how were you told about it? When we told about it? And you know, what did you feel about that situation? I think I know the reason why. Um, obviously, I wouldn't have. Agree- I don't agree with it. Um, even though, obviously, you spoke to Brian Laws, he'll say it was it was perfect management because obviously we got through to to the final and we won that as well. So I think, I, I as I remember, I was playing quite well. I think when I'd got into the team, we basically started to have a clean sheet every other game. It was basically a, a, around a fifty percent clean sheet ratio, which is pretty good. I can't honestly remember if the form had tailed off near the end. I don't think it had. So I think it was more of a tactical decision where he thought Swansea might be more physical, more aerial, and that's why he wanted to bring Tim back in. Um, But you're probably best to ask him. (laughs) And thinking back to the home match, I was actually mascot that night. So, you know... I was was in the stand. (laughs) Yeah. um, But yeah, I mean, obviously quite young, but... Um, so fantastic atmosphere, probably one of the best. It was, uh, it was, it was a very good atmosphere. It really was a good atmosphere. I do remember that. Yeah, um, and obviously we get through, which was which was fantastic. Um, at what point then did you did you um, know that you'd be starting the Wembley game? Was that? Do you think that was tactical as well? Because obviously you'd stuck with Tim for the the home and away leg against Swansea, and then he kind of puts you back in for the Wembley game. Um, and I suppose did that give you a bit more confidence again? You know because Obviously, you weren't happy with um, being dropped. And then to put you in for what was essentially the, the biggest of, of them all, really, um, that must have been a big boost for you. It was. Um, and, and, I, and I genuinely can remember the, the, the Swansea home game. And I think Tim didn't have his best game. And I think because I, I think he'd been brought in for his, I suppose, experience and his, his ability in the air and a bit more strength. I think, as I remember, he was disappointed with how he had played. Now, I'm I'm assuming that that might have had a bit of an impact on it as well in terms of the management thinking maybe he'd done a job there. But had he played very, very well, I'm quite certain that he wouldn't have been dropped. But as I remember, he didn't have the best game. And then, so there was a, there was a chance for me. I don't honestly remember when I got told. I don't think it was that far before the game. So it wasn't until... It wasn't weeks before because if you remember, there was quite well. You might not remember because you was quite young. There was there was I think a three week break between the playoffs and the actual final, and I probably didn't know until the last you know last week before before the game. We've spoken to a few players, you know, in in the squad at that time on on this podcast, and we even spoke to Brian himself about it. But uh, before Wembley, there is of course the infamous I, I, I say training camp, but uh, you know, you all go out to Dublin for a bit, don't you? And what what was that experience like? Well, I don't think we did much training. Um, <laughs> I think, I think we did a little bit of running every so often. Um, I, I, 
I remember bits and pieces about it. But I don't remember doing too much training, but I do remember doing a little bit of running here and there. I think it was more of a, a distraction away from, I suppose, uh, I suppose the pressure a little bit, isn't it? You know, you, you start to prepare. It was also to, to fill a little bit of time because there was a big gap. It's also about, I suppose, and it sounds a bit uh, cliche, but team spirit, isn't it? Where you, you're trying to build a team spirit that you you take through to the, to the, to the next game. I suppose uh, with, with Wembley in mind, it's probably a good time to talk about Alex Carlo Garcia. Um, yeah. Um, what, what, did Brian, what did Brian say about the uh, training camp in, in, in Dublin? What did he, what did he say? <laughs> what did he call it? <laughs> well, essentially, essentially that wasn't it it was he wanted to he wanted the sort of the team bonding like experience um and yeah. and i think i think he said his intention was to you know not do all that much and just sort of let yourselves in, enjoy it really yeah which, which is you know I, I didn't hear him say that obviously but um that that <laughs> seems about right to be honest yeah um yeah so talking about um alex uh was it right you two used to room together on away games yeah, got I got him with him got with him really really well. Um, not spoken to him in quite some time. So if he's listening, or if, if he's if he never listens in, I've got his number. I'll have to give him a call. Um, but yeah, got him with him really well for all the time he was there. Um, very nice bloke. Um, his wife really nice. He used to sort of go over to their house sometimes after training training uh, for sort of uh, something to eat, bit of a rest, and then go to the games with him, even at home games. So, yeah, really nice bloke. And Laws told us that a big thing that he did was, you know, taking you as a team, round the pitch, having a look at Wembley, getting used to the surroundings, that type of thing. Uh, do you think that's that did give us an edge? He did the right thing there, absolutely. He, he, he did. Um, I think it, had we not done that, there'd have been the problem or, yeah, it would have been the problem that players who have never played at Wembley before, and I suspect it was the vast majority of this, would be looking around Wembley instead of, instead of focusing on what is just a football match, really, isn't it? It doesn't matter where it's being played. You just have to try and do the same thing on, on the match day. So taking him, taking us there to have a look around, look at the pitch, though we weren't allowed on it, um, look at the stadium, etc. took that issue away for the next day. So, yeah, worthwhile. And just tell us about that game in general. I mean, it was, I remember Johnny Air got sent off in the uh, playoff semi, didn't he, in the, in the second he leg. Did. So he was yeah. unavailable. Uh, so, you know, there were a few players um, given chances in that game. Obviously, Sheldon Sheldon was one of them after his goals in the, in the semi-final. But, um, yeah, can you remember much of that game or was it all a bit of a blur? No, I remember that. I remember it quite clearly, actually. The, the whole, the whole thing. I remember the music we were coming out to, um, Fat Boy Slim. That was that was the uh, the music coming out to that. Um, remember an awful lot of it. I, I didn't really have a great deal to do, to be honest, mm. during that game. Um, quite a quiet game. I just remember it was absolutely red hot, boiling day, absolutely boiling. And when you're trying to play football in in an enclosed stadium, it was just ridiculously hot. So I think we did did very well. It's it's a big moment, isn't it? Everybody's career at Wembley, if, if you do get the chance there. But also the fact that, you know, you've played and, and you've had that clean sheet. I mean, it must rank, well, we'll do it in general, but it must rank quite highly in terms of your overall career at that. Yeah, I think I think in terms of achievements, definitely. Um, in terms of, people asked before, was it, you know, was it the best game you've played? No, it's not. But it was probably one of the more important ones. Um, and therefore, you know, it, it does rank up there because you've got promotion. You've got to the you've you've moved up the divisions, and that's what really that's what every club strives to do, doesn't it? When you're at Division Two, One in the Championship, you're trying to get promotion to the the next division. So we we'd, we'd achieved it, and it was a uh, it was a good time for the for the club. Really, it was a uh, a very well run club at that time. Yeah, obviously, promotion was kind of everyone was on a high, and then. Um, shortly after, Jamie Forrester gets his move, doesn't he? And and John Eyre as well. Um, how big a blow was that for? I guess the squad in general, really, knowing that your two two kind of key players, two goal scorers, um, were not going to be part of uh, the the next season. Yeah, it, d- difficult um, to be quite honest. It's you can't blame them, and I know people at the time probably did. You know, in terms of fans, but I think. Most most people in all walks of life, you have to look after yourself. And people might say, yes, you need to show loyalty to clubs. Um, but 
ordinarily there's not that much loyalty um, the other way. So when players can move and and you know they can sign for more money or a bigger club, you can understand it. So it was it was a big loss because there were two excellent players who you could um, rely on to score goals. But unfortunately, I think I think most people with with the benefit of hindsight and a little <laughs> bit of compassion can say, yeah, they did the right thing. To be honest. So in the early games, there's some decent results, you know, beating Bournemouth. I think there's a draw at Cardiff as well. Uh, but was it quite clear early on how difficult that season was going to be? I, th- I think we knew it was going to be difficult. I, I don't think there would be anybody at the club who thought it would be anything but a very, very tough season where if we stayed up, that was absolutely all we could have hoped for, really. You know, you know, I don't think we could have been expected to be in the top 10 or going for promotion, I think just staying up was probably the objective at that time. Yeah, it was throughout that season that um, we brought in Lionel Perez on low. I think he was yeah. at Newcastle, wasn't he? came in. Um, we've kind of heard stories from uh, a couple of players at the time and, and obviously Brian as well, that he was a, a really big character around the place. Um, but was that a bit of a blow for you, given that you, know, you were kind of first choice keeper, if you like, and then... Lionel was brought in, um, although only short amount of time. Um, you know, he was kind of um, playing quite regularly. Yeah, it, I, it's, it is obviously again. It's disappointing when you get dropped, um, and he he was obviously at the time uh, a good player and and, and <laughs> a character. You, you can use the word character. He was different. He was certainly <laughs> different, um, and. He was probably the only keeper who was much more difficult to get on with than, than anybody else. And But he wasn't just keepers. I think it was difficult to get on with for everybody. Um, but, you know, he, he's played at the top level. And so you can't complain, can you, really, if, if you're bringing somebody who's played in the Premier Division in and you get dropped. It's it's not what you want. Um, had I played, been playing better, it wouldn't have happened, I suppose. So it is what it is. And obviously that year was, you know, very difficult. It does end up with a relegation. How did the squad react to it and, and what did Law say about it all? Was it the Oxford away game where we actually got relegated? When we yeah, got I think it was. Yeah. I, rem- I remember the game only because one of the, one of their goals literally stuck in the stanchion. Um, so that was a bit disappointing. <laughs> and I can also remember before the game, people were being offered a, a, a shot of whiskey. Um, <laughs> to, <laughs> <laughs> to, 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 for a bit of bit of courage, uh, I, I must admit, I, I did turn it down. By the way, I thought I, I, I can't imagine it would have helped. Um, so, but was it disappointing? Yes, it was. Um, did we deserve to say, stay up? Unfortunately, obviously not. I think in, in across the season, you probably end up exactly where you deserve to end up, really. And it was just a case of rebuilding and trying to improve for next year. Yeah, just on that. Obviously, you said it was really well-run club at the time. But I think fans that season were a little bit frustrated given how Forrester and Air left. And then if you look at the replacements, obviously Torpy came in, didn't he, and, and Brian Quayley, but they were they were quite late on. I think it was nearly the February when they came in. Do you think the club did enough that season to kind of replace those players that had gone out um, to give us kind of a fighting chance? It's a tricky one, that, because I, I obviously don't know the finances of the club at the time. Um, but what I'm pretty sure about is that um, it was run to make money, not a lot of money, but it was run on a on a, as a commercial basis. Which at the t- and I remember throughout my career at, at Scunthorpe, when when Steve Wharton was manager, there was obviously parts of the the crowd who were always complaining that he didn't put his hand in his pocket and he didn't spend his money and he didn't do this and he didn't do that, but. I suspect the same people now look back at that and think, didn't he actually run it quite well? So, yes, it would have been nice had we had money to spend, but as an owner and, and, as, and as somebody who has to look after the long-term uh, future of the club, it was probably the right thing to do, unfortunately. And of course, we know in football, squads change all the time. But by this point, a lot of that Wembley squad had either already gone or they were about to leave. Is it a bit harder to see, you know, a, a team split up like that when you had had such success together? I think it's to be expected, actually. Um, again, if, if if we were a, a Premier Division side, you maybe wouldn't see quite as much uh, in the way of people coming and going. But when, you, when you're Division 2, you, you can have players who, as I said earlier, who, who come 
do really well and they will move on. And that's good for the club as well, if you can sell them for money. You're also going to have young lads coming in and, and they won't make it. So I think there's going to be actually a high high turnover within Division 2 clubs. So the changes, I, I would say, are, are to be expected. Yeah, just in this season, um, obviously another good cup run. And they always seem to be quite a priority for, for Brian. I think actually he said to us that it was, it was a case of if we had a good cup run, he might have a bit more money to spend. And I think that's probably what... You were kind of alluding to there with with water and spending what he could afford, yeah. so obviously gave him a bit more money in the budget. Um, and it was that season the the Burnley um, FA Cup run, uh, if, if you like. And I remember the away game. I don't know if you remember this, but for me, um, it just seemed to go on forever. Added time seemed to go on forever. I think we were two one up, um, and eventually they got one sort of last kick of the game to force it to a replay. Um, and I suppose it's always a bit like that, isn't it? When when you play in teams from a higher level, uh, yeah, higher level, um, maybe hanging on a little bit at the end, and it just seemed to kind of yeah, just go on forever. And it was a really bad refereeing performance. I, I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> I don't remember that. <laughs> that that's been obviously etched in your memory. I think I, I do remember playing at Burnley. Like, it's going to sound it's, it, better players, really, isn't it? So better players will continue to, you know, the, the, better in fitness. If you and better in terms of technique, everything like that. So you have to play really, really well to beat high division t- uh, clubs. And um, I suspect it's also a, a, it's a fitness thing. If, they, if they've got the ball and you're chasing and chasing and chasing and trying desperately to hang on, in the end, uh, you tend to make a mistake, don't you? Because the, the, the more you run, the tighter you get, the tighter you get, the more mistakes you make, etc. So, you know, when you're hanging on for dear life in a game, it's not easy. And then, if I remember rightly, we were drawn against Bolton in the next round. I remember Bolton because the pitch looked green from the side, but it was actually because they got green um, green sand on it. They dyed the sand to make it to pitch look good. Yeah, on that day, probably just had a bit too much for us. I think was it Dean Holdsworth? Did he get a hat trick? I, I think remember. I think he did. You know, I think um, and and I, and I I remember certain things about that game, and I, it's. The quality of their their set pieces actually, it sounds um, sounds ridiculous. But when when a high division player takes a corner, for example, it just comes in quicker, flatter. It's more accurate, and it and I do remember one or two of them taking me by surprise. If that's, if that's the right way of putting it, where you think that's just been t- just a bit better quality. So you're right that they've just got better quality all around, and it's a difficult game. Um, to win, I think. I think um, I would say it wasn't UC Askeline in playing at the time in goal. It was the other keeper. Can't remember his name now. We've kind of just glossed over the uh, shootout in the Burnley game, but uh, I think we're going to talk to you about penalty shootouts a little bit later on when we get to uh, another match. Um, in terms of the league that year, so we finished tenth. There's maybe at one. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Pointing outside shot of the playoffs, but when you do finish 10th, you know, mid-table, how is a season like that considered overall? Um, I think cup runs, you're right, we always... I say always, I remember getting knocked out by Russian Diamonds. We don't always um, have a good cup run. Um, but I think we did tend to have good cup runs, which is good for the club. Um, I think finishing 10th is a bit of a, it's, it's no man's land, isn't it? It's, it's, you're not pushing really for the playoffs near the end, which I suppose for, for the fans, it means, you know, there's nothing really to get to get excited about. Um, though it is better than, you know, fight, fighting against relegation. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think it was a a steady away season, um, something to build on, really. Yeah, in the following season, a lot of new players again. Uh, I think the most significant was Peter Beagree, which obviously took everyone by surprise, fans by surprise. Um, 
I suppose, what are your memories of him? Uh, and were you surprised by uh, that, that level of signing, given he'd been playing a lot higher level um, just, just the year before? Yeah, I think he's, he's played... He played up at um, England B, I think he played. So he's, he's obviously very good and uh, excellent at going forward. Um, maybe not as uh, good at coming back and defending, <laughs> but he, he, he was he, he was really, really very good at going forward and, and, and you know, cutting back. He, he used to like, you know, you know looking like he's going to cross it with his left foot, chopping back onto his right, chopping back onto his left, <laughs> chopping back onto his right. He would get crossed in eventually. Um, but yeah, he was he was genuinely was a very very good player and uh, probably uh, one of the better ones I'd played for uh, played with. Excuse me at uh, Scunthorpe in terms of his obvious ability. So there's some big results in that season. You know, this is the seven one against Darlington. There's a couple of three twos as well. I think Doncaster and Luton. Uh, there's also of course a you know two one win against Hull. I think for for Scunthorpe fans certainly at that time. I guess not so much these days maybe, but certainly at the time. You know, Hull was you know that was the big rivalry. Was was that something that was reflected in the team when it came to those games? The local derbies are are actually they do stand out in memory because you know you, you can remember Mark Jackson scoring. Late on, and I, you can remember all the sorts of the 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 passion that both sets of the supporters have during those games. It's just, and uh, it really is something that you really want to be involved with. I think all all players, and it doesn't matter if it's you know lads who are are local or not, but do understand that it means an awful lot to the Scunthorpe fans to to beat Hull. Um, so we were very well aware of the uh, importance of those games. Yeah, and then the next season, again, we've got um, a decent cup run and, and that ends with the home game against Leeds. Um, it's obviously nearly a sellout at Glenford Park and it's on telly as well. Do those things kind of, I don't know really, do, does it make it a little bit different to just like your, your standard game, given it's on telly and maybe there's players wanting to impress and things like that? It, it, it does. Was it Mark Viduka? Did he get both? Was it 1-0 or 2-0? I can't remember. I think it was two. He definitely got one. I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember. Um, you, you do. You, you want to impress. You know. You, you as a player, you want to play at the highest possible level, and you want to play against players who currently play above you in terms of the league. And you, so, so you desperately want to do well, um, so you can try and progress your career. I think it's really, unfortunately, as simple as that. And you can. You can. You know. Support. I'm sure supporters. Would be able to tell that there's a, there is a difference in ability, as I've mentioned earlier. It's just uh, you know some of the players, you know, you see the things they can do today. It's just you know unbelievable quality of players when you get to the top di- top divisions. And um, Leeds at the time were a, a top top team. And at the end of this season, we reached the playoffs again. And you know, there's two big games against Lincoln. I think we spoke to quite a few players, you know, on this podcast about those two games. But what was it like for you? Well, I definitely remember the away game. Um, I think. One is that I remember that the pitch, the de- I did the deliberately leave the gla- the grass really long. Yeah, I think um, so. Yeah. <laughs> which, which, you know, I, I, I'm sure it helped their style of football at the time, um, but, you know, it's not really a, a, a fair way of uh, playing football. But I also, I do remember making a mistake on one of those games, on the, on the second leg uh, specifically. So, and I think it might have even been the first goal of the game. So, that doesn't help, um, but there were there were exciting games. I do remember that. Yeah, and then in the May of that season, obviously uh, playoffs are over, but you you get called up for Northern Ireland B uh, against Scotland. Uh, how yeah. does that situation come about, and what was that experience like? Mark Lillis was involved, so I think um, somewhere along the line, Mark had got involved with Northern Ireland, and that's that's how that came about. There was a game, went up there for training and uh, played played half a game. For, for Northern Ireland B, so that that was again. It's it's all about you know trying to do the best you can possibly do, be the best you can be, and you know you you, you take every opportunity you can. Would you like to have done more with that squad? Yeah, of course you would. And, um, and before anyone asks, I am actually a Northern Irish. My mum's from Northern Ireland, so I think I'm I legitimately do qualify. So yeah, of course you 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 want to you want to be involved with that. All, all the time, you know, it doesn't matter if it's Northern Ireland or, or, or England, you, you want to be involved in a national side at some level. And, and that's, as, that's as high as I got. So maybe that's, that's as, as high as my abilities would allow me. And then the next season, again, it's, it's a really good cup run. Um, and is, is, one... is, is this the uh, Barnsley 
Wednesday right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, so the the second round match, Sheffield Wednesday, um, yes. I think they were at least one league higher, if memory serves, maybe two. I think maybe two, were they? But anyway... I, I would have thought at least, yeah, two, two, definitely. I think they were two, yeah. I mean, they had, they had a good team at the time. I think Grant Holt was there and quite a few others. Um, I, remember, was, I remember Kevin Pressman was playing. That's what, I yes. do remember that. Yes, he was, yeah. Um, and the the replay obviously goes through to penalties and we win on penalties and, and you actually saved three that night. Um, and for me, I mean, that, that kind of is up there with um, some of the best games I've seen, actually. Not so much the actual game, but just as a kind of experience uh, to win at, at Hillsborough, obviously, in the way we did. It, yeah. It's up there with, I think we, we sold maybe 3,000 as well. It was just one of the one of the great nights. Um, but what was it like for you, you know, saving the penalties and essentially being the hero that night? Yeah, I, I do remember this game actually quite vividly. And um, it's probably because I saved three penalties. It was... Um, it was a just fantastic night, wasn't it? It was it was a good game. I don't think we was hanging on on this in this game, as I remember. I think we actually played very well, and we we deserved to to possibly go through without penalties. Um, but yeah, um, you've always got a chance with penalties if, if if the player puts it to your side and it's not hit hard enough or in, not in the bottom corner, top corner. You've always got a chance, and on that occasion, it went it went my way. So that but it was really enjoyable, and it was. A late finish. Do you do any research? Obviously, now nowadays with all the kind of technology and all the games are filmed and everything, um, you know, keepers are, are told where um, players might take the penalties and, and put the penalties. Was that a thing back then, or was it just a, a lottery and, and you just kind of down to down to you and the player taking the penalty on the night? There, there, there wasn't any research done before the games, but there was plenty of players at the time who would say, "Oh, he's going to put it this way. He's going to put it that way." And, um, you know, I, I, I used to use the, the strategy and it worked for a long, long time that you just look at the players, look at their eyes, do not take your eyes off them and they will glance to a side. But they would do that to basically say that they're going, you know, they, they're going to try and make you believe they're going that side. So that I just went the opposite way. And, and for, for a good number of times that genuinely did work. So look at their eyes. If they look left, dive right. Because they're just trying to th the throw you off the off what they're really going to do. So that was that was my technique. So in the fourth round, we've got the big away tie at Portsmouth, and and that one does end with a with a two one defeat. But you know the team did play well that game, and and I, I guess you know you got again it's another big team. You've got you know players like Teddy Sheringham. You know you you get I guess you've got to enjoy playing those games against that sort of Premier League standard. Portsmouth then were. Again, it sound ridiculous, isn't it? With people who know where Portsmouth are now, but they were an unbelievably successful side. And when did they win the FA Cup? Which year did they win it? Was it 08? Was it? Oh, you know, I can't remember. But I feel like it, it might was, have been 2008. I think was it. But the, the, you know, they had some players. David James. Now, people say, "Oh, David James, he wasn't that." You know, I, I always rated David James very, very highly as a keeper, and they had they had an absolutely top quality squad, and you know. Did we deserve to win? Probably not. Did we perform very, very well? I think we did. And um, it's, it's, it's one of those games that I do. I remember both goals and you want to play in those games against, I guess, I'm just repeating myself really, against top, top teams. And you look back and you think, yes, we, we did do well in these cup games. We, we Could we have gone further with a little bit of luck here or there? Maybe we could have done. But um, we, we, we had a good, good runs in these FA Cup games for a number of years. Which which helped the club, didn't it? It brought in a lot of revenue. I'm sure it did. Yeah, I mean that was season was a bit of a strange one because we were doing quite well in the cup competitions, but league form was was quite poor. Um, and towards the end of that season, Brian obviously left, didn't he? Uh, Steve Wharton stepped down and and changed the chairman, and and Lawsy left for a short time. Um, yeah, and then obviously reinstated. Uh, what was that whole situation like for the players? It must have been quite, you know, not sure what's going on and. I don't know, it must have been quite um, unsettling. Yeah, um, well, re regarding the whole season, I, I sometimes wonder, because I, I do remember this season, did did the number of games we were playing in the Cups, it was, just, just wasn't the FA Cup either. We had a, a fairly good run on the other, other Cups, and I think we played an extra 11 games up, up to the, up to the, up to that um, Portsmouth game, I believe. And I just wonder, with a 
with the squad that we had, did it take its toll in terms of overall fitness? I can't remember injuries particularly, to be quite honest, but you just wonder, did having so many games actually cause us a problem at the back end of the season? Because I think we just went on a on a gradual decline down the down the league, didn't we? Yeah, it was, it think, was a strange yeah. one. Because I think we, we had some really big wins as well, if you think back. I think I can remember um, there was a big one against Huddersfield and Steve McLean obviously scored loads of goals that season. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then somehow we found ourselves kind of hanging on towards the end of the season and, and relegation was, was a big possibility. It, it was. We just couldn't buy a win, to be quite honest. And in that, in that position, in terms of you're dropping down the league, you can't win, you know you need to win, and you, you just can't get these victories to come. The pressure really does mount. So, and again, I remember fans, let's say, not being as helpful as they could be and having to go with their own team, which really doesn't help. It's one of the things that always baffles me when you've got a team who is obviously struggling, who will probably try their absolute best. The pressure, and it's all right, it's, it's Division Two, you know, and we, you, people will say, yeah, but that's what you're there to do, to perform under pressure. That is very true, but when... When you're up against it and you are losing game after game after game, you really need your, your fans to be behind you as best as they can because um, it, it does help. But going back to your original question about when Brian left and then came back, that that was a, that was a strange period to be quite honest. There was there was phone calls from people asking, you know, do we want Brian to come back? Um, etc. And it was it was a difficult position to be putting players in when you've got people phoning you, asking should you basically sack the person who's currently manager Russ, or not bring back the person who could be manager Brian. So it was a very very strange position. So we've sort of already talked a little bit about this already, but you know you, you mentioned that you've had typically good relationship with the keepers. This is when in 04, 05, Paul Musselwhite signs for the club. Uh, so yeah, what, what was your relationship like with him? But of course, you know he does take the number one spot for the season, doesn't it? And you know how, how difficult is that for a keeper? Because it, it, as we've mentioned before, it does seem pretty difficult to break back into the team. Paul, he, I'd, I'd hope he says the same. Um, again, n- top bloke, got on with him really, really well. Every single day, you know, trained. It was um, good. It sounds like good fun. It's good fun to train with somebody who wants to train, who wants to work hard, wants to do the same things that you want to do. And and he he, he was like that, you know, so got on with him really, really very well. Um, not playing, and it obviously wasn't ideal, I can assure you, and wasn't allowed to go on loan either. So it was one of the, these positions where I'd been playing for quite a long time now. And I think, I think somewhere in my career, I'm sure I played 150 consecutive games, and to to be all of a sudden not playing was quite difficult. So I did actually ask if I could go out on loan, and I was I was told I couldn't. So that that was <laughs> that was a bit of an annoyance. Not because I wanted to leave the club; it's just because I wanted to play football and um, try and you know prove to myself that you you, you know that you're good enough. What was the reason you couldn't go out on loan? Was it just that, you know, they needed a second keeper in the building? Yeah, I, I think that's all it really is, to be quite honest. Um, they just wanted a, a second keeper. There were, there were other keepers there. Um, I'm trying to think who would have been there at that time. Was Adam Adam Cap maybe there? Um, I'm, I'm just trying to think who was younger keepers, but didn't want me to go out on loan. Though there was, there was many a time through my career at Scunthorpe when I was the only goalkeeper at the whole club, which... Made it much more difficult to do to do anything with in terms of training. I, I remember, you know, training with um, Nick. God, I can't remember his surname now. Um, used to do the kit for us. Used to come in and help, and uh, he'd, he'd come up and do training when when there was no one else. And that season, obviously, big success um, on the pitch in the cup as well with the with the Chelsea Cup run. Um, yeah. Obviously, the, the club are kind of getting back on track. You know, after after the poor season the season before. Um, promotion so you know great for the club but was it a little bit difficult for you given you can weren't involved as much yeah at the time you you genuinely are pleased for the club you know but you are (laughs) genuinely not part of it and especially as a a goalkeeper who doesn't play and I I didn't play a single game so it's you're there you do the training you are genuinely 
helping and doing their absolute best for the club. And I think whatever anyone would ever say about my abilities or lack of, I think one of the things I always do and did in football and do throughout life is you always try your absolute best at, at everything. So I always did my absolute best for the club whilst I wasn't uh, playing. So when Paul was playing, did my absolute best there. But it is difficult to think. You, you don't quite feel there's part of the, the team. Whether or not that's different for other players who play, you know, um, less regularly, so outfield players who might be coming on a sub every now and again, they might feel more more part of it. But for me, it was definitely quite a difficult um, period of my career, to be honest. So moving into the 05-06 season, I think it was just before this season when you had your operation on your hand. Uh, you know, we've, we've talked a little bit about injuries already, haven't we? And you said you dislocated knee. That that was your worst one. But you know, when it when you are a keeper, when it is an injury, you know, with your arm or certainly your hand in this case, does it give you a little bit of concern for the rest of your career, or you know, were you happy that you're going to be fine? I think with the knee it was more serious, but with the with the with my fingers and being a goalkeeper, unfortunately, it's a bit of a occupational hazard that you break your fingers quite regularly, and. I think with with mine, I think I'd got a bit of floating bone or something like that in, in a knuckle. And it was it was agony. It really was painful to to be playing and training. And if you just caught the ball in a in slightly the wrong position or it just bobbled up and caught your finger, it was killing me. And in in the end, Nigel, um obviously Nigel Kins was physio at the time, he we just took just you know of the opinion that it was the right time to just get it sorted and went to see a specialist and basically they took part they took part of my knuckle out and fused the bones together so um doesn't hurt anymore but just can't bend part of, part of my finger i mean that season you do kind of find yourself back in the squad a little bit um yeah. and it was more of a, a rotation between you and muzzy that season was that always the plan or was that kind of just covering injuries and, and things like that I don't remember it being a rotation, to be honest. I, though I could be misremembering. Um, I seem to think that I played most of the second half of the season. Not saying I played all of it because this is this is now entirely from memory. Um, and it, I think it was more a case of who Brian thought was in form or his preferred choice at the time. There, were, there, were, there was no rotation as far as I was concerned. Um, you know. Paul, if you ever speak to him, might say something different. Don't think so. And Brian might say something different. But again, I don't think he would have done. I think he'd have been picking what he thought was the best team or player for for, for, for the game. And I think one of the biggest games that season, this is certainly one I remember quite well. Again, it's in the cup, but it's, you know, third round away at Manchester City. So obviously, you know, huge game, huge team. Um, I remember, you know, Andy Keogh putting his 1-0 up in the first half. And then, and then you know, Robbie Fowley just completely changed the game, didn't he? You know, in that second half with the, with the hat trick. But what what was that game like? And you know, playing against him in particular. I, re- I remember the first half because I think with thirty five minutes on the clock, I was wasting time, and uh, <laughs> the, man, the Man City players were not happy. But I thought we had a chance, so I was I was wasting as much time as I humanly could. Um, but yeah, uh, Robbie Fowler Hattrick, we uh, revived his career, didn't we? I say we, maybe I did. <laughs> I revived his career. <laughs> they changed they changed formation, I do remember. They, they, he didn't play as a right out and out centre forward in the second half. He played in the hole and we, we didn't do anything to counteract that. So he got the ball all the time and punished us severely for it. And then at the end of that season, I think you're at the end of your contract and, and so is Paul um, and Lars decides not to offer deals um, and he obviously brings in Joe Murphy at the time. Did you want to stay at the club at that time or you know, did you feel that it was maybe time to, to move on? Tricky one, this. Tricky one. Um, I think if I'd have known what was going to happen, <laughs> I would have wanted to have moved on. But I was, obviously I wasn't aware, wasn't made aware what was in the minds of uh, Brian. So I think at the time I thought there was a chance I would be staying to to compete for, for first team um, in, the, in the next season. But obviously that didn't transpire. Um, obviously Joe, Joe was brought, brought in and, and, you know, by all accounts, he was a very good goalkeeper. So I can't really have any complaints. People will tell you it was probably better than me. So that, <laughs> there you go. Um, but I think... It was a little bit disappointing. Obviously, you play nine nine seasons, and again, go back to 
my, my, my professionalism, I suppose, I'd always done the right thing by the club. It would have been nice if I'd have been told a little bit earlier what was going to be was going to be happening. Would I have carried on playing in the same, doing my best for the club? Of course I would. Um, it would have just been a nice, nice thing to know because it would have been better for me to leave the club and maybe say goodbye to some, some of the fans and some of, to the, some of the staff, actually. So obviously we're just sort of moving away from Scunthorpe a little bit now, but, you know, after the club, you end up signing for York after being on trial there for a little bit and you're there for a couple of seasons. Uh, do you have any standout memories from your time at York? Yeah, uh, we should have we should have got promoted first uh, the first season I was there. Back it back into the into the league, but we didn't. And I think second the second season there was um, much much worse. Um, and it's and I mentioned this earlier. So it's it's I, it always amazes me when managers. I'm not specifically talking about Scunthorpe here, but managers at clubs that you've got assets who are your players, and you know they don't. In my opinion, or they didn't try and get the best out of people. There's there's a lot of a lot of managers who really, really should should take a look at themselves and say, did I get the best out of the players that I had? Did I encourage them? Did I make them feel as if they were good players? Because if you have a go, you know, if you, if you have a go at people often enough, in the end, they won't believe they're a good player, and you you know lose lose confidence. I'm not specifically talking about me here. I'm talking about managers. At York, um, Alfreton, not so much at Boston when I finished the club, but the, the, there's there's a total lack of in, um, people thinking about how to get the best out of everybody. But I'm not a manager, so maybe I'm 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 wrong. But I think um, you, you might be able to tell me when when Nigel took over at Scunthorpe, I get the feeling that he was uh, very positive with his players. Is that is that what happened? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think every, everybody we've sort of spoken to, you know, that was involved in Nigel's squads would, would sort of ascertain to that. I think. Yeah, he was always a generally was a was a very positive person. Um, he obviously wasn't the manager when I was there, but he was obviously positive. He wanted everybody to do their absolute best and to maximise the potential. And, and it just it just staggers me that that back in the day when I was playing, that just didn't happen. Yeah, you mentioned there uh, just a couple of the other clubs you'd been at. Um, I think you got a promotion in the to the Conference North with Boston. Um, how was your time at, at Boston? Yeah, it was okay. I think um, I, I, I was probably I was I was studying at the time. I was doing other things um, whilst I was playing. So to be quite to be honest, it was one of those things that I if if I'd have not been playing at Boston, would I have been upset? No, I wouldn't have been. Um, I was I was happy to play at Boston and I enjoyed my time. Boston was a great club, to be honest. I think it's a, it was a again another club that was run well. Um, I know it's not always been the case, and same with Scunthorpe, to be honest. But at the time, a really really nice club. Um, but I was doing other things at the time because I think you know there's only so long you can you can play football. And yes, I'm sure I could have played football for another two or three years if I'd have wanted to, but by that time, I just really didn't want to play football anymore. I knew I'd, I'd, I'd have to do something else. So according to your Wikipedia page, it states that you actually come back to Scunthorpe for a little bit and spend a bit of time coaching the youth goalkeepers. Uh, how did that role come about? Yeah, well, um, as, as I was saying there, as I was getting towards the end of what I, I thought was the end of my footballing career, I thought, I've got to do something afterwards and then what's it going to be? So at the time, I was doing lots of studying for what I do now, financial, financial services. Um, I was also doing my UEFA B, UEFA B outfield and UEFA B goalkeeping. And I was doing coaching at uh, under 12s. I think I started with at Scunthorpe just to, just to sort of see if that's what I wanted to do. And to be honest, it, it's coaching is fantastic. You know, you, you was, you're coaching young lads who when they are 11 and 12, there's still, there's still time for them to, hopefully adapt to what you want to, them to be like. And my ideal way of playing football is how Man City play football, how Arsenal used to play football, you know, pass, pass, pass. And I used to try and <laughs> drill it into the players that if you can receive the ball, control it first off and pass the ball 
every single time they you will be very good players and that's what we used to do we used to do possession with the with the under 12s and obviously did the goalkeepers as well and it was just a pleasure to watch them get better and better and better and i think a couple of them actually went on to play first team were you not tempted to sort of go down the managerial or, or coaching route like a lot of players do because from you know from what you're saying there it, it sounds like you're really passionate about it yeah, well, I did the under-12s um, and the keepers. Then I went to Donny Rovers, did the under-16s and the keepers. Um, the under-16s, you, you, there's not as much time for you to be able to, I suppose, impart what you would like them to be like, because obviously they've had training from under, under well, basically under-10s, 11s, all, all the way up. Um, so I did really enjoy it. Hard work, but I think you have to make a decision in terms of your, your life. Is, is coaching going to be something that is going to be a job? Because unfortunately, you know, football back then in the in the division one, two, not everybody was paid that much money, to be quite honest. So I always knew that I would have to do something. And I think coaching is just a little bit more precarious in terms of job security, to say the least. Well, as you've already mentioned, you have a complete career change, you know, become a financial advisor, working in financial services. Um, what was it that made you decide that that was the particular route you were going to go down? I think... I probably have always been, well, people will say I've always been tight. So with a, in terms of not, not wanting to spend any money. So that, you know, I, I, it's an absolute necessity for a, for a financial advisor. But I've, I think it was going back a long, long time when a, a PFA rep had a meeting with me and he, he was talking about finances, et cetera. And, and again, not that I had very much money at the time, but it was just ch- chatting through. And it was something that's always interested me, to be quite honest. So it, it was not not too far fetched from my side to to become a financial advisor. Um, yes, it took a, a lot of effort to go from leaving school at sixteen with just your GCSEs and playing football for what sixteen years continuously. Well, and doing a bit of studying for the last two or three years to pass exams. So it's a big big change, um, but it was a change that I think I'm I'm happy I made really. Now, recently, the club have been inviting players and former managers back to do question and answers in the restaurant. Uh, you was obviously invited back fairly recently. I think it was for the Bromley game, which, given it was the first match under the new ownership, uh, it was good atmosphere. Unfortunately, didn't get the win. But what was that like, being invited back, and, and how did you find the experience? You know what? It, it was really, it was really good. Um, it's a long time since I've left the club, actually. It's, it's you, you know, you forget how long ago things are, don't you? When you, you just get on with life, you, you play, you've I've moved club, you've, you've done this, I've got a different career, and just time flies by. I've, I have been back to some games um, previously, but not probably in the last two or three years. So it, it was actually nice to go. And I think it was really good that the club have tried to bring, up, bring players back into encourage fans into the into the restaurant to make use of the facilities there um to to get people into the iron bar they've got i think they have um all sorts of but their bands on now don't they before the games yeah that's right to try and encourage people into the club to try and get that feel good factor um back and hopefully it works because i know when i was speaking to lee turnbull he's, he's he put a lot of effort into to try and turn things around yeah, um, just move on to a couple of sort of general ones about, about your time. I know we've probably touched on quite a few um, of your, your favourite moments, but is the one kind of standout moment um, playing for Scunthorpe that, that really does stand out for you? Even though I said it wasn't my best game, I would probably say Wembley, <laughs> to be quite honest. Um, that, that, was, that was very good, yeah. I think Cup games were... As we've mentioned, we had some very, very good FA Cup games where we played in... in you know, decent stadiums, big Premier Division teams. Um, that was also good. Um, and, I, and I remember, um, I think I mentioned this when I went to Glanford Park. I, I do remember when I got a 10 out of 10 in the newspaper from Bob Steeles. So, well, Bob Steele. So, <laughs> that that must have been one of my highlights. Who was the best Scunthorpe player you played with? I would probably say Peter Beagley was genuinely the, the, the most skillful and had the the most ability that's come up that I can remember off the top of my head though obviously that's probably doing a disservice to a lot of players um, what about the best player you've played against ah well I played against Rude Hullet um, so so um, that when I uh, at Palace had a game against Chelsea reserve game 
and and he was playing. Um, I'm assuming you don't know who Rudolph is. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he he was probably the best that I've played against. I think this is one that's obviously quite specific to a goalkeeper. But which of the Scunthorpe defenders were you most confident with when you had them in front of you? I've been thinking about this one because it obviously it's a tricky one because I would need to see the full list of players that I've played with and. I would say, and I'm probably missing again, quite a lot of players out here. Chris Hope was always reliable. Andy Dawson, always reliable. Uh, Nathan Stanton, always reliable. And, and and so those three stand out. But again, I'm probably forgetting about a lot of players. And 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 if they're listening, I do. I am sorry. And I think a good way to end. Really, we we kind of asked this of of all players that have come on and and done the podcast. Um, can you just summarise what, what Scunthorpe means to you and, and what your time at the club meant to you? Yeah, well, I, I, I moved to the area not long after I signed for Scunthorpe and I still live in the area. area. So that's 20, what, four years, something like that, I've been in the Scunthorpe area. So as, it, as it's been a massive part of my life in football and it continues to be a massive part of my life now, really. So it, mean, it means a lot to me. Um, I, I, I genuinely hope they do really well. Um, they're in a bit of a precarious position now. We've obviously got the new chairman. Um, it looks like results haven't quite turned yet, but I think the way the playing seems to have got better. And you, you might tell me if I'm wrong. So hopefully they, they get enough points this season to stay up and go, go on from there. So but to answer your question, it means an awful lot. And I'm, I'm proud to say that I've you know, played there for nine years, really. That's brilliant. And I think we'll leave it there. Uh, Tom, thank you so much for coming on. I know this type of thing isn't what you do often, so we really do appreciate it. That's all right. No problem at all. And thank you, everybody, for listening to this. Hopefully we'll have another in conversation for you very soon. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 